on, somebody shout praise the Lord. Amen. Yesterday marked the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, 1969. Man, those were the days. How many remember that day? Some of you here witnessed it. Hey, you want to know the most difficult part of the journey? Think about having a hundred, a hundred million uh, pounds of basically it was it was a hundred million represented all the fuel on the Saturn rocket represented about a hundred million pounds of TNT. That's how much power was strapped to the back of three astronauts. A hundred million pounds of explosive power. That's what it took to get them off this earth. You wanna know the second most dangerous part of the journey? Not just leaving, re-entry, re-entry. They said if they would have been off of uh, off a degree or two, they would have skipped the atmosphere and went out into space. They had to come in an exact trajectory to get back to Earth. The most difficult parts of the service, you know when they are? It's blast off and re-entry. Paul said we are sitting, when we're in church, we're in heavenly places. Let me ask you how much a, a semi-truck weighs in a weightless uh, environment. How much, how, how heavy is their burden once they get out of this atmosphere? No, you're not hearing me. A lot of the energy we spend is just getting out of the stuff we've been battling with all week. It takes 100 million pounds of TNT to get your eyes lifted up and get you into a place where your burdens are lighter. <laughs> Come on, that's why we worship, that's why we sing. Come on, let's, let's get out of this atmosphere. Let's get in a heavenly place. There's no tears there, there's no sorrow there, there's no burdens there. But you know what, when this service is over, you're gonna have to re-enter. You're going back to the real world. You gotta get your attitude right in here. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that when you re-enter, you know, those people standing out there watching for that, uh, that, uh, not the command module, I don't even know what it is. Anyway, that little, that little vehicle, they're watching for it, capsule, return capsule, they're watching for it. And they said, you know, our first glimpse, our first glimpse of the re-entry, you know what it was? Anybody remember what it is? Come on, what is it? What is it? When they look, it's fire. Cause that thing's burning up. Oh, that we go back to work and people say, man, I don't know what happened to them this weekend, but man, they're smoking. That's why we need to leave church and get into the heavenlies. That's why we pray, that's why we worship, that's why we clap. I'm going somewhere. I don't know about you, but I want to lay my burdens down for a few minutes. I'm, I'm going to blast off here this morning. 
Yeah, it's okay. It's okay for you to leave and say, man, that pastor was up in the air today, wasn't he? Yep, you're right. Amen. And there's some Sundays it takes that much power to get me off the ground. But once I get up there in the heavenly place, oh, it's beautiful there. It's wonderful there. My burdens are lighter there. I'm thankful today to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful we've been reminded of where we're going and who we're serving and what He wants to do for us. And uh, I'm thankful for every teacher today that's here. Thank you for teaching your classes and being faithful. Thank you to every saint of God that came. I know you just came for the breakfast and now you have to endure all this. Thank you for coming for the breakfast. Erica, thank you for singing today your testimony. Thank you for singing your testimony. Amen. I was proud of her, man. I said, I'm just going to shout because I know she knows what she's singing about. Fear is a robber. Fear is a shame is a robber. It'll hold you in the grave as long as you'll let it. But if he walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. I ain't staying there. Man. I felt like jumping up and grabbing that basketball goal up there. Man, thank God. I feel good in the house of the Lord. It is such an honor and a privilege to have the Croto family with us today. Jeremy and Nancy. and Their family's growing. Their family's growing. We're so glad to have the Crotos. Now they pastor and have for a number of years in Centerville, Iowa. And God's blessing them. And for that, we are thankful. Somebody say amen. God's done a great work in Jeremy's life, a great work in Nancy's life. We're just thankful for the few years they were here. Bless this church. Bless this ministry. And I'm thankful for what God's doing in Centerville. We love Jeremy and Nancy and their family. And this is always home to them. And we we uh, want to open the pulpit today. I want Brother Jeremy to come. Sorry, Brother Croto, Dr. Croto. We want Dr. Croto to come. Amen. Preach the word of God. How many ready to hear from the word of the Lord today? Let's give the Lord a good hand clap as Brother Croto comes to preach. Amen. It's so good to be home again, Brother Gene. I appreciate that. We were here for three and a half years and it's hard to believe that Coming down here, I was a saint of God. I felt like I was determined to do everything I could to live for God and, and be everything He's called me to be. But to, to my surprise, I wasn't near what He wanted me to become. Amen. When I got here. But sitting under such a, a great man of God, so spirit-led, all of you are so blessed. And I think you know that. <laughs> Amen. We love you, Brother Gene. Amen. Amen. Why don't we get started this morning? Uh, I feel a little torn today of how the direction of this service is going to go, but I believe that God gave me a word for you today. And I just got to walk in that. Amen. I can't, I can't change what I feel from what He's told me to do. Amen. I believe like 
that Brother Gene says so much in short bits that I can go home and be fed off of that for quite a while. But I believe God sent me here today for somebody here. i got to believe that. So why don't you turn with me today to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Amen. God has spoke to me. God has transformed my ministry in just a few short years. Not only starting here in Salem, but being up in Centerville, Iowa, pastor in a revival church is how I like to describe it. Because honestly, they don't have a concept of what revival truly is up there. And so I want them to ask questions. I want them to understand that that I believe that our church is a revival church because we're taking something that was once dead and bringing it back to life. Amen. The ministry before mine was phenomenal. It was a great man of God and he did tremendous things, but I believe the community is, is still dead. I believe that it needs to be resurrected into the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I believe that's our job in Centerville and that's what he's called me to do. And so he's, and I'll talk about it here in a minute, but let's go ahead and get into the Word. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it reads like this. It reads, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray today for this service. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you right now. And Lord, I submit myself to you, Lord. And whatever you want to occur in this service, Lord, I want you to have your way through this ministry. Lord, I pray right now that you would let an anointing fall on this pulpit today. And that every word that proceedeth out of my mouth would be your words today to this congregation. Lord, I pray right now that you would soften the hearts of your people today, Lord. That you would lead us and guide us into that way that you want us to to end up here today, Lord. I pray that we would be able to dwell in those heavenly places today without those burdens, like Brother Gene said, Lord. And I believe that your word today will go forth today and touch somebody's heart, touch somebody's life, and bring revelation through your word today. Lord, we got to believe that because you're in control, and I submit this service over to you today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Would you turn and greet somebody next to you and shake their hand? As I get a drink of water, that's the best way for me to do that. You can be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God's done a lot of stuff for us up in Centerville. I don't believe in self-glory. I don't believe in self-righteousness. I believe that everything that's taken place is because I've given it to the Lord, my ministry. I've given our church over to the Lord. I've given my family to the hands of the Lord. And, and praise God, He's able to do whatever He wants with it. I've submitted myself to the Lord in ministry. 
And so I don't get surprised half the time when he changes stuff up, when I got to go through some suffering, when I got to endure some things, because I have to believe the Lord knows what he's doing. Amen? And I don't question what I have to go through. It's not easy sometimes. It's not easy. Every time I get behind the wheel of a vehicle and I try and travel, I'm telling you, he's... He's bringing that suffering. He wants me to submit that vehicle to him too because something always breaks down. And I got to be okay with that. So I don't get frustrated. I just say, Lord, whoever you want to send my way, give me the words to say to him because somebody's going to come and help me. Amen. I believe that no matter how many phone calls I got to make, God's going to send me somebody that I can minister to. Through that suffering. It just, that's how it works. Amen. We were on our way camping two weeks ago. And, and, and this is just how God works in my life, Brother Gene. He, he allows me to slow down once in a while. And, and take note of what's going on. And, and we were behind the wheel of, of a, the truck that, that I'm pulling this monster of a fifth wheel camper. You know, that's dated like mid-90s. So it still weighs... God knows how much. This truck probably isn't even equipped to pull it, but it does pretty good. God blessed me with that truck. And we get out on the interstate. Uh, we get up to Des Moines. We're about an hour and a half into our three-hour journey that ended up being eight hours. And we get up in Des Moines, and, and the truck overheated once. I pulled it over and thought, that don't make sense to me. I'm pretty mechanically inclined. And I looked under the hood, and there's fluid everywhere, and unless that thermostat stuck, I didn't know what was going on. Lord was preparing me for what was about to happen, and so, so what happened was I, I started the truck again, and that temperature started coming down. Praise God, you're answering prayers. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we get back on the road, and about two miles further down the road, I believe he just wanted me to cool off that engine a little bit because there's diesel fuel that ruptured in the valley of the engine that's blowing straight on a turbo that's probably about 1,500 degrees. Now, I don't know about you, but when you combine any type of fuel and something burning that hot, explosive things happen, amen? Amen. But it didn't because God's hand is on our life. God's protection is involved in, in what we're doing. And I submitted him that, that truck that day. I submitted him the protection and the, the well-being of our family before we ever got on the road because stuff like this happens all the time to me. And so I'm on the side of the road. And, and if we're not stopped on the side of the road because somebody's puking, we're there because we're having mechanical problems. Amen. It doesn't matter where we go. And so... I made three phone calls. The first two had no intentions on coming and helping. The third phone call I made was to a, a gentleman that was 20 miles away. And, uh, and he said, what kind of camper is it? I told him it's a fifth wheel, but it's got a gooseneck adapter on it. He says, oh, that's great. I've got a gooseneck ball right in my personal truck. And so he brought his personal truck down and hauled our camper back. And he brought a, a wrecker truck that he put my truck on, on there. And he hauled that back 20 miles. And we started connecting and communicating. And we know similar people down in Centerville. Mind you, this is 80 miles away from where we call home. And we're on our way back to uh, his shop 20 miles away. 
and we get there and, and there's plenty of traffic along the way, but we're connecting and we're talking and, and a gentleman that used to work for him for nine years was um, the parent of one of our close friends of my girls in school and my wife has a connection with them. And so we start talking and stuff, talking about what I do down there and, and I don't know, but there's some preachers that don't want to tell anybody that they're a pastor. And I just got to think those preachers want to live a different way outside of the pulpit than they do preaching behind the pulpit. Amen. So uh, I get there. I'm not stepping in anything, am I? Amen. You know, we got a lot of cows up there and, and manure, and I just don't want to. Okay, so <laughs> the best way I can relate to that, I want people to know that I'm living for God. I want people to know what I represent, no matter where I'm at, no matter what situation. And the reason why I don't respond like the world when my truck is almost catching on fire is because there's a light that's burning inside of me that I want others to see. Amen. I want them to know that I'm filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And those are the words because my tongue is under subjection. Amen. I want people to know who I am and, and what I stand for. And so we started communicating. And long story short, it was 4.30 in the afternoon. And all their guys got off at 6 o'clock. And we're talking about trying to get parts and what we need to do to fix this truck. Because we're on our way on vacation, you know. And... And so he ends up paying five guys in his shop to work overtime and fix our truck so we can get back on the road by 6 o'clock, and they did it. They had parts available right there in, in their shop. And so we got back on the road, and, and before that, he, he brings me to the office. He says, we need to take care of the financial side of this. I said, praise God, let's get her done. And uh, I get up there, and, and he says... he figures up the numbers and stuff. Mind you, he towed my truck and my camper 20 miles. And I don't know about you, if you ever had anything towed, it ain't cheap. Amen? And so we're trying to go on vacation here, and, and uh, he gives me this bill, paying overtime to these guys for an hour and a half, five different guys. He gives me a bill of $275. I don't know about you, but that's something to shout about because it should have been closer to about $800. Amen. So I know that God brings me to these places for a reason, maybe just for a testimony for today, but God is on our side. Amen. We may, we may have to endure some things, but ultimately God's there to take care of us. Amen. And, and it was funny. I said, I said, sir, that ain't near enough. You know, most people don't say that. They just accept it and say, okay, you know, we got off easy this time. I said, sir, that ain't near enough. I said, the toe alone should have been more than that. I said, and what about the guys working overtime? He says, don't worry about that. I'll take care of them. I said, well, what about the toe being, you know, 20 miles? You towed my camper too. He says, don't worry about that. I've taken care of that. I said, what about the guys that, you know, they're, they're getting time and a half, you know, to take care of, of me. And he says, sir, I am taking care of that. You take care of your people down there. I'm taking care of this. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us. Amen? It's a great thing. I want to talk to you today about being a living sacrifice and what that really means to me. You know, I moved up to Centerville, Iowa some, oh, almost five years ago now. In August, it'll be five years 
after being down here three and a half years of, of ministry that shaped my future, amen, it's all ordained by God. God has brought us through some things, brought us into some things, and then he brought us out of some things, amen. I believe he knows what he's doing. We started into a building program about two years ago. It's got four phases to it. And the first phase was a parking lot. We paid that off in eight months. The second phase was adding on to our existing church, which, which seated very tightly about 95 people. And so the first few services we had, the first uh, few months that we were up there and we were preaching, stuff was kind of new. We were having services of 100 105, we had our first Easter service, it was like 120 something, we were having record services, but there was no place for people to sit, nobody wants to sit on each other's lap when you're coming in to visit a church, amen, it's too tight. And so we started praying, and Lord gave me vision, and, and I drew up that vision. I, I put the drawings on the wall in my office, and I prayed over them every day, and I knew exactly what it was going to look like by the time we were done. That's how God gives me vision. It was interesting, and, and people always ask me, did you think it would be this great? I said, I knew what God was going to do in this place. I've been praying over it for a year. And so... We, we embarked on a journey that the church had never been to that scale before. And we ended up, during that journey, we ended up getting, I've mentioned it before, a $100,000 grant to build a food pantry right on our property, amen, of God's money. That was money that he got from somewhere, but he gave it to the church, and we ain't got to pay it back. $100,000 of United Way money, which don't represent much for God, but guess what? God used that money and He put it right on our property so we can minister to the people in our community. Amen? So now it was our turn. We, we wanted to give God you know, a, a place to dwell, right? A, a temple, if you will. And No, we wanted to have more places to sit. Right? So I'm not all about lacing it with gold and silver and having the, the shields hanging around the inside of the sanctuary. I needed some chairs. So we ended up, started building, and, and we embarked on this journey knowing that the church was fully behind us, that the church was, was ready to, to get their hands dirty, I thought. But I'm telling you, when God calls you to do something, when God called me to do something... We need to step out in faith and just... So to come and help me, he's better at that. Or, or I need to... Help me with the colors and the, the patterns and stuff. No, God gave me a vision and he said, you need to build a church. And so guess what? I got my hands dirty. I threw on a tool belt and we went to work. And there's days that I found myself, I, I said, Lord, send me laborers, send me laborers, we got to get this done, we got to get this accomplished, I'm getting tired, Lord. He says, I sent you laborers and you're it, build me a church. And I said, God, what about the help, what about the other people coming alongside me, there's, you know, we were having services of a hundred, you know, and it's like, where's, where's the help, Lord? 
He says they're working to help pay for it. Build me a church. So I started building. We had the Amish come in and put up the structure around it. We even, during the process, we realized we needed more room. So we added another addition off to the west. 18 by 70. We got big youth classrooms. We even got a special needs room. We, we started in a ministry that, that no other church in our community would even consider. Kids are sitting at home that need to be hear the, the things of God that have no ability to hear them because nobody's going to teach them. we got a lady in our church that specializes in that. So we built a special needs room. And every Wednesday night when the other kids that are able to sit still and, and endure you know, a, a normal style teaching, we got kids that have some special needs, need some special attention that are in a room that are being fed the way they can receive it. Amen? Are they part of this kingdom or not? We're here to feed the sheep. We're here to preach the gospel and we want them to receive it just as well. You may need to teach them a little different. We got kids running the aisles during church. I don't care. Are you kidding me? That's the future of our church. They say, why don't you, why don't you have a, a special class during the main service so that the, all the kids can go down there? How are they ever going to learn how to worship if they don't see some worship before them? Amen. How are they ever going to learn how to pray if they never see you get on your knees at an altar and pray during a main service? We need our children. If anything else, just to challenge you, get off your pew, show them how it's done. Is that okay? Everybody okay? All right. Praise God. Amen. We started our building project. I haven't even got to my message, so we're going to be here a little while, Brother Nate, just so you know. He said, how many pages you got? I said, bro, we're going we're gonna to get her done today. <laughs> we're just going to keep on going. Amen. We started in April. I'm not even looking that direction, so... We started in April. We started building. The Amish put up our structure. Same people put up the food pantry. And there's people talking in town saying, Oh, we know you got money for that food pantry. How come you're using it to build you a church at the same time? I said, Sister, if you want to know what this money's going for, why don't you come to church once in a while and it'll be evident because $100,000 don't build a, a 50 by 60 pole barn fully equipped with all the air conditioning and concrete and everything else. There ain't nothing left over to work on the church. You want to start spreading rumors? Why don't you come and see the real deal once in a while before you start opening your mouth? People talk. People talk. Guess what? That didn't affect me. I just kept building. Amen? <laughs> Amen. We had people in the church that came, helped us do drywall. They, they put in a Saturday here, a Saturday there. Me and my dad, God sent me my dad. I believe that. We prayed for my dad. You've met my dad. He's been in service here a couple times now. We, we go on the men's fishing trip together. He's always there to, to go with me to these services and different things. I, I do the district sound up in uh, Iowa 
So we're setting up for big events, ladies' retreat, men's retreat, and uh, family camp up there. And, and so we're always busy, but I want him to hear the word. I want him to be fed the word. And so I bring him along with me everywhere I go. And guess what? He's still coming. He's still coming along with me. Amen? God's not done with him yet. But I know that God sent him to me so we could build a church. My dad labored beside me building a church. Amen? He doesn't have the Holy Ghost. He's never been baptized in Jesus' name. God willing, he's going to. But I tell you what, God's sending you laborers. Amen? You ain't got to stick them behind a pulpit right away. Come on, if he ain't got the Holy Ghost, he can still pick up a hammer. He can still be a part of the kingdom of God. And he can endure some things and learn some things on a journey together. We built a church. We, we ended up putting up a, a beautiful backdrop, uh, supposed to be like a pallet wall. I may be lazy, I don't know. I, I didn't want to take the time to tear apart all those pallets, so I just bought one by fours. And we cut them all up. It's beautiful in there. The whole sanctuary, uh, just the sanctuary now, is 40 feet wide by 75 feet. And I, I walked in our old sanctuary, Brother Gene, and I, I started stepping it off. And years ago... The Lord told me, he said, you're, you're going to have a worship center like this one day. And I just started claiming it. And we get up to Centerville. This is before we even went up there to pastor. And, and I get up there and the Lord gave me a wonderful church. We added on to it and it's gorgeous now. We vaulted the ceiling and it's beautiful in there. And there's an altar area and there's a 40 foot by 15 foot out platform across the front. Room for a choir, room for you know growth to take place in that church. And I believe he's sending growth. You know, maybe my thinking's a little skewed from the cultural norm of Pentecost but I believe God sends me people that I need to use he sends me the tools I need for growth in Centerville Iowa and so the people that I use may not be some prim proper pristine you know Pentecostal uh, heritage you know lineage running through our our pulpits and stuff the people he sends me are what's good for Centerville and I'm okay with that amen so we start using these people. We start encouraging them. And they're getting the Holy Ghost. And they're being baptized in Jesus' name. Which, by the way, is the only way under heaven by which we shall be saved. Amen? He starts sending me laborers. But me and my dad, we just kept building. We kept building. And people would come up to me on Sunday. And they'd be like, you know, oh, I, I meant to be there on Saturday. I meant to be there and and and. You know, I, I'm sorry I had to work. I had to work overtime. I had to do this. I said, don't worry about it. But eventually it started getting to me. Eventually it started, I started looking around and I seen the vastness of what we were trying to accomplish. And I already scheduled our dedication service before we even started building. I had to get this done. And so it did. It put me on the spot. So... I started praying about it, and, and all of a sudden one day, he's not here right now, but Brother Kyle Kelly sent me a book, and you know how, how great you know cell phones are, you get the little notification that says your package has been delivered, and so I get this book in the mail, and, and I didn't order it, do you know what this is? Nope, I don't know what that is, 
I get a text just shortly after that. It says, you need to read this book. I said, praise God, all right, Brother Kyle sent me a book. He's never done that before. This must be good. And so I ended up reading this book, and it started, it started shaping my outlook on what sacrifice really looked like, on what, what burnout really looked like, and how, how this culture of, of Pentecost, how we feel like you know we're going to burn out if we keep going as hard as we're going, and we've got to take time for ourselves, and, and we've got to take a step back and let so-and-so help you out for a while, and, and I need to go take six weeks off here and five weeks off there and to help renew myself, and I believe renewal is important. Don't, don't read into what I'm saying. What I'm saying is sacrifice is also important. When God sends you somewhere to do a work for Him, when God sends you to do the kingdom business and He's asking you to sacrifice, it's okay to be tired once in a while. It's okay to feel like you're burning out for Jesus. Because that's where I was. I was feeling like, Lord, it's overwhelming. I can't keep going at this pace. We're trying to get this church done. I'm working every day. I got this going on. I'm preaching too. I'm a full-time pastor and a full-time contractor building a church. But we had a lack of people. And the Lord said, I've sent you the skilled professionals that you need to accomplish this. And he was pointing at me. See, we've been through some things in our ministry. We've been, we've been to the place and beyond where we know what it feels like to be burned out. We know what it feels like to endure some things to where you're questioning, Lord, why did you bring me into this scenario? Why did you bring me into this scene that, that needs so much work? How are we going to get beyond this, Lord? It's overwhelming. It's too much for me. And he points to that verse. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's your reasonable service. A living sacrifice. Giving of yourself for the kingdom of God. He doesn't say give of yourself until you get hungry. Until you get tired. Amen. He says give of yourself. Period. Be a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God. And so he called me to Centerville, Iowa to burn out for Jesus. Amen. And that's what I want to do every day in my ministry. I want to live for him. I want to pray. I want to fast. I want to give of myself until it hurts. Is somebody hearing me today? Why don't you clap your hands out of the Lord so I know you're still awake. See, you think it's all about, well, I'll give, I'll give everything I got until it gets real uncomfortable. No, the Lord wants you to be a living sacrifice. You know, so I'm driving down, still haven't got to my message yet. I'm driving down the road taking my youngest to, to school. If you haven't met our strapping young men that's part of our family now you need to you need to meet them before you leave today because they're a couple amazing young men Zared and Alex very good children and all you boys in the house I got some good looking daughters there too I'm not going any further than that because they're already turning red 
one of them matches her hair color, but I'm driving down the road taking Alex to school, and I look over, and this is, mind you, this is during this building program. I'm just now finishing that up, and I'm understanding the concept of being a living sacrifice, and, and I finally feel a release like the Lord's done uh, doing some things in my life, and, and he brought me to a place, and, and so I, I look a, across the road from where I'm dropping them off at daycare, and there's Indian Hills Community College. There's a college there, and, and I've seen it every day for months, driving past it. Yeah, Lord, I hear you. He says, what are you doing with your time? I said, well, I'm taking Alex to school today, Lord. Didn't know if you can got a clear picture there. He says, you need to go to college. I'm like, Lord, I'm 43 years old. Are you kidding me? I hated school. I don't want to go to college. And he dropped a vision in my lap, kind of like he did for, for that building project. He dropped a vision in my lap for some type of, of uh, recovery counseling. There's, there's some people that, that don't respond very well to rehab. They don't respond very well to uh, other types of treatment programs. But he dropped a vision in my lap of some type of, of recovery counseling. And I'm like, Lord, I, I don't even really like people that much I'll preach to them and I'll hold their hand through some stuff but you want me to sit down with people like that he says at one time you were the same way I said you're right Lord I used to be that druggie I used to be that alcoholic I used to be dependent upon things of this world and you took that from me and I want others to have that encounter and so I I said all right Lord I started going to school I started, I'm not even going to look at that clock. I started going to college and I started taking classes. I started being a witness for Jesus Christ in that college. Like I said, I'm not shy about what I do and what God, where God's brought me to. Amen. And so I started being a witness in that college and, and I'm driving down the road. Well, I need to take a different route to school, but I'm driving down the road one day and, and the Lord, he says, you need to start a Bible study in that school. Are you kidding me? I'm a full-time pastor. I do construction on the side. I'm a full-time college student, Lord. Isn't there somebody else that can do a Bible study? We got people at our church now. We're running 50, 60, 70 people. Isn't there somebody else? He says that you're a laborer for the kingdom. You need to be a living sacrifice. And when I call you to do something, it may hurt a little bit, but I'm calling you to sacrifice for the kingdom. I said, good Lord, are you sure that's you? They say, try the spirits, you know. Yeah, it was him. So I went to the dean. I said, I said, I want to start a Bible study. I don't beat around the bush. How else are you going to ask for it, you know? Noel, I want to start a Bible study. She says, that's awesome. When do you want to start? I said, Oh, that shoots that one in the foot. All right, let's get her done. So she says, why don't you walk with me over to the library? That's probably the best place to do it. So we went to the library, and she tells the librarian, she says, this guy wants to start a Bible study. What's a good night for him to do it right here in the library? And she said, well, Monday nights is, is a good time. We're here till like 8.30 at night. I said, praise God, I'll start doing a Bible study. And so I started going to the baseball games of the baseball players that were in my classes. And they always said, oh, Jeremy, he's our biggest fan. And they're all like foreign exchange baseball players. I don't do accents very well. But they said, oh, he's our biggest fan. And I'm out there cheering them on. Come on, Zach. 
Come on, Juan. You got to say it right, Juan. And, and so I, I'm cheering them on, and, and I said, hey, guys, in our, our public speaking class, I said, I said, I'm starting a Bible study. I want you guys to come. I come and support you. I need you to come and support me. They all started showing up. So the last Bible study I had at Indian Hills Community College before summer break, I had nine people in there. Amen. And the librarian sitting on the edge of her seat just eating it up. She loves what's going on in the college. This is a secular college. I'm talking to somebody today. The, the Lord's telling you to be a living sacrifice. Sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's going to feel a little overwhelming. But if God's calling you to do it, you need to step out and do it. Amen. Because we're about the kingdom business. Jesus is looking for someone to burn for the kingdom. Church, we need to let our light shine. Let it shine so bright that, that not even the daylight can distinguish between the, the burning you have inside of you or, or put it out. It's not just walking around in darkness that people are going to see your light. You can burn so hot for Jesus that they see it walking out of this church today. Amen? They'll be like, oh, that guy's... That guy's red hot for Jesus. Look at him. He's burning for the kingdom. It's not about all that I'm doing, all that I'm accomplishing. It's about being a living sacrifice. We need to be available for this kingdom business. Amen. He's called us into some things. And I know he's called you into some things too. But he's waiting for you to step out and say, Okay, Lord, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I ain't talking money. I'm talking about you personally. You got something to offer in the kingdom, amen? If he's calling you today, you need to step up and say, Yes, Lord, I'm here. I'm ready. Use me. Whatever it takes. What? It's going to cost some things? What? It's going to hurt a little bit? That's fine, God. You've done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. Amen. I want to burn for Jesus Christ. It seems that sometimes our services get to the place of complacency and we're satisfied where God's brought us to. But He's looking for some people to step out and say, Lord, I want to give you more worship. I want to give you more sacrifice at that altar today because you've done it all for me already. See, when sacrificial prayers went up in the prayer room, 120 received the Holy Ghost, amen, by evidence of speaking with other tongues. And then it just kept pouring out because there were some people willing to seek after something that they didn't have. I'm talking about some sacrificial praises going beyond the ceiling of this great gymnasium. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's reaching past that. But I'm telling you, we need to send up some sacrificial praises that reach clear into the throne room, amen? It's more than just us four and no more. No, we need to sacrifice and get those praises out in this world. Praises that can shake the foundation of the prison you may find yourself in right now. See, Paul and Silas praised the doors wide open in their prison and they still went on to baptize the prison guard. They didn't just stop there and say, okay, God, thanks for delivering us. And they ran back to the prayer meeting. No, 
They stepped out of those prison doors and they said, hey, there's more that needs to be done here. There's more that I can do. Lord, let me be a living sacrifice to you. And they start spreading that word. See, sometimes God asks us to sacrifice to show you His power and authority. See, God spoke to Abraham and told him to sacrifice Isaac, amen, on an altar. Genesis 22, 2 says, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. He didn't say, I'm going to give you the whole vision. He didn't say, I'm going to show you exactly the scene, what it's going to look like. He said, Abraham, I need you to prepare to sacrifice, and you just start walking, and I'll let you know when you get there. Sometimes you don't know how much you got to sacrifice. And that's okay. It's not about me and my kingdom. It's about Him and His kingdom. Sometimes God asks us to sacrifice so we can take part in His sacrifice. And to reveal the relationship He desires to have with you. It's more than just getting on your knees once in a while to develop that, that relationship that's going to endure some things. It's talking about sacrificing a little bit. Uh, fasting and, and praying and getting to that point where He can reveal some things to you. Amen. Amen. We're going to skip some of these scriptures today just so you know. Follow me the best you can. There's three things. I'm not going to close five times, Brother Gene. So... There's three things that great sacrifice will bring. I want to talk to you about them real quick. Sacrifice brings deliverance. Amen. Samson in Judges 15, it's starting in verse 14, it says, And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire and his bands loosed from off his hands. He found the jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. The Philistines were after the people of God once again. They couldn't stand by and let an anointed Nazarite man keep making them look foolish. They were going to do something about it. But Samson knew that eliminating one or two Philistines wasn't good enough. God was calling him to give him a sacrifice. Amen. God wanted Samson to give a great sacrifice. So much that when he was done with the sacrifice, he was weak. And he thought he would die from lack of water. You ever sacrifice that much? It felt weak. Dehydrated, Lord, I'm weary. I don't know. Why would you let me sacrifice this much? He was weary. Could you imagine doing a work for the Lord that wore you out? Come on, I'm preaching this morning. Something that took so long that you felt weary in your body? That's what sacrifice is. See, we chalk up these little... I'm not trying to offend, believe me, because I was in that same boat. But I believe that the Lord's revealed some things to me that I need to share with you. Sometimes we feel like sacrifice is just waking up in the morning and making it inside the church building. 
God's calling us to sacrifice for Him, to be a living sacrifice. That's more than just getting up out of bed in the morning. Come on, Samson knew that when the Spirit came upon him, it was no time to offer up an offering that anybody could give. He wanted to give God an awesome offering because Samson knew that sacrifice would bring deliverance. If Samson only took out a couple of those Philistines, when God told him to give them a sacrifice, they would have kept coming back. Amen? He needed to offer up a significant sacrifice, so much that it was a worthy offering unto the Lord. A sacrifice of physical strength, mental strength, and even spiritual strength. The Lord's asking one of you today, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? The Philistines were going to keep coming with a weak sacrifice. So Samson gave God everything he had within him and deliverance came. And God allowed Samson to judge God's people for 20 years. Sacrifice brings deliverance. Sacrifice brings anointing. David was one of the greatest kings that ever ruled over God's people. God loved David, but when David was fleeing for his life from King Saul, when David was chasing after another man's wife, when David was building an army unto himself and counting all the mighty men of war, there was a man named Nathan who was, who was the prophet and judge over the people, and God spoke through him to David. God spoke through Nathan to bring correction to David, to give instruction to David. But David was a man after God's own heart. Why didn't he speak directly to him? Why didn't revelation come to someone who was the best worshiper of all time? David was a man of war. He shed the blood. He shed much blood of men. And the Bible says that's why he didn't get to build the temple. How could David build something so pure and righteous for God to dwell in and have the blood of men on his hands? Solomon decided to offer a different kind of blood to God. See, David did his work. David was a good king. David was a man after God's own heart. But Solomon was a little different story. Solomon offered blood to God, but he offered not just one sacrifice, but a thousand. Let's look at it. 2 Chronicles 1, 6-10. Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. A thousand burnt offerings. You know how hard it is to offer one? Solomon offered a thousand. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge thy people? That is so great. Solomon knew his place. He knew the people of God. He knew what it was going to take to, to judge them. And he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed by the thought of, of that great task. Solomon and all the congregation went up to that high place in, in Gibeon with a thousand sacrifices. Just getting those sacrifices up the mountain is a task in itself. 
But he revealed his true intentions at the brazen altar that day. In front of everyone. In front of everyone watching. He wanted his kingship to set a precedence that the God of Israel deserved a real sacrifice. Amen? Not some token offering. Not just what's expected of you. Solomon was dead serious about honoring God and his ministry before the people. He said, I want to show you what sacrifice looks like. I want you to see this so I can set a precedence for you to carry this sacrifice on. How have you sacrificed? Is it just going through the motions, doing what's easy? Or have you put forth some effort and sacrifice till God moves the very core of your existence? Have you fasted till it hurts? Have you gave till it hurts? Have you been on your knees so long that your ministry cannot fail? Sacrifice. Solomon gave such a great sacrifice, God not only increased his wisdom and knowledge to a level that he can govern the people, No, God saw a heart that was pure and righteous and His willingness to sacrifice moved God to make Solomon prophet and judge over all of God's people. Solomon heard the voice of God and spent time in His presence because sacrifice brings anointing. Amen? If you believe that today, would you clap your hands? Is this all right today? I'm I'm not trying to challenge you. If you don't want to do anything for the kingdom, just shut me off. But I'm talking to some people today that need to hear that our sacrifices are going to hurt sometimes. Our sacrifices for the Lord are going to mean something once in a while. Amen? It's not boosting ourselves up in front of other people. Look at what I've done for the kingdom. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh, most sacrifice takes place behind closed doors. Most sacrifice takes place away from everybody else. It's not all going to be a Solomon up there sacrificing a thousand sacrifices unto God. God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wow. Wow. Sacrifice leads to his presence. How many of you enjoy being in the presence of God? I know I do. Psalms 84, 9 and 10. Verse 9, it says, Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. One day standing in the presence of the Lord is better than a thousand in this world. Amen? Somebody hear me today? I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to talk in the Spirit. I want to live in the Spirit. Amen. My life needs to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. What am I saying today? What I'm saying is that to experience the operation of the Spirit, we must be full of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Amen. You're not going to witness the operation of the Spirit unless we're walking in the Spirit 
before that. In other words, the realm of the glory of God's presence must become more important to us than the flesh realm. It's more than what's in our capability. You want to see the things of God? You need to step into the spiritual realm. Healing, deliverance, miracles, signs and wonders, they all emanate from the glory realm, church. It's not in that flesh realm. You're not going to witness those things just waking up and sitting on a pew. It takes a little bit of sacrifice. Come on. Or I could simplify it by saying this, the kingdom realm. Not just the glory realm. We're participating in this kingdom business. Amen? It's about this kingdom that we're partaking of that we need to sacrifice for. Jesus revealed to us that power over the devil or power to destroy the works of the devil or power to cast out devils was a direct result of the kingdom of God being present. You want to usher in the kingdom of God? That's where power comes from. The kingdom is the principle. The Spirit of God is the power. Matthew 12, 28 says this, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. See, we may have the principle of it all. We may talk about the kingdom, sing about the kingdom, preach and teach about the kingdom, but principle is not enough. Principle won't heal the sick. Principle won't deliver the bound and the oppressed. And principle won't set the captives free. Principle is very important. The knowledge of what God's capable of is very important. But principle is the foundation on which we stand. Principle stabilizes us and holds us in the right place. But principle is truth. But just the knowledge of truth is not enough. You can know that Jesus is God, amen, and not experience His power. Come on. This is a head faith. Truth about healing and live all your life sick. You can know all the truth about salvation and still go to an eternal hell. But the kingdom of God is both principle and power. It's knowledge and spirit, amen. Amen. Jude 1.3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. See, Jude knew by, by the Spirit that the time would come when the body of Christ would slip into a state of complacency, that it would begin to settle into a powerless faith. Or a head faith, a faith without substance, a faith that consisted only of words and ideas and philosophies. Is that what you meant? Wave to you when it's time? Come on, sister. I'm bringing this plane in. Everything the Bible says is ours, is ours by right of inheritance. Do you believe that? The Bible says it, do you believe it to be true? Amen. I'm a Bible-believing believer. Amen. I just, I'm naive enough to believe if God said it, amen, it's going to come to pass. If He says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, why do I have to worry about suffering a little in my finances? Come on. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
He will not leave us comfortless. He gave us a spirit. He said, I will send it in my name, the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. Everything the Bible says is ours, is ours by right of inheritance. But even though you hold the title and deed to a property, you will never benefit from it until you press your claim and take possession of it. God has willed His power to the church. It's your inheritance. The power of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, signs and wonders, miracles, healing, deliverance, visions, dreams, supernatural visitations, and manifestations, demonstrations, and activities of the power of God in us and through us. He has willed that to us. That's our inheritance. But the majority of the church world is satisfied just with the principle, just knowing He can do some things. Satisfied to know it's true. Just happy to know that it's there and that it belongs to us by inheritance. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that inheritance. Jude warned us not to accept that powerless message and not be deceived and to contend for the original faith that the early church had, which was a vital living faith that produced the miraculous. Signs and wonders, healing and deliverance. They put their faith in action. They sacrificed unto the Lord. They, they said, whatever it takes, Lord. I'll be a martyr for you, Lord. Take my life if that's what it takes because you gave us yours. See, He first gave His life for us. Who am I to say I'm not willing to give mine for Him? Come on. Faith that doesn't produce or bring manifestation is just knowledge. It's just head faith and dead faith. Or the belief that because I could quote it, that meant I had it. Just because I can talk about the Holy Ghost doesn't mean I got the Holy Ghost. He gave us evidence of that, amen? The problem with that is you lie to yourself. It makes a very comfortable cushion and you begin to believe that you have it just because you say you have it. The problem, that's a problem. But the truth is, if we can't manifest it and demonstrate it, then we don't really have it. We just have a profession of it. And there's a big difference between profession and possession. Are you hearing me today? Like when I was in junior high and I claimed to have a girlfriend in Canada... Come on, if I never produced her for people to actually see her, thank God for glamour shots back then. Would you stand with me today? Jesus said when he cast out devils, it was. It was principle and it was power. It was word and it was power. See, there was authority behind his word. There was authority in action there. Paul said the kingdom is not word only. 
Yes, it's in word, it's in principle, it's in knowledge of the truth, but that principle must produce power or it's dead. In other words, if I have the kingdom principle, but I don't have the kingdom power, then all I have is words. Because the kingdom of God is only present in power. Wherever the kingdom of God is truly present, there is a manifestation of power. In other words, it produces what it speaks of. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Wherever the kingdom of God is present, there will be righteousness, there will be peace, there will be joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Is this a church of kingdom power? Amen? Or just principle only? Because I, I believe fully. I came out of this church. I developed among you and I remember kingdom power in this church amen we serve under a mighty God in Christ a mighty man under God and brother Gene I I moved up to Iowa thinking that it was going to be a bed of roses Lord you prepared me you're just going to hand everything to me Uh uh-uh tell you what kingdom business the kingdom of God is sacrifice so he had to deal with me what am I willing to sacrifice to see kingdom power come to Centerville Iowa amen I had to lay some things down I had to give some things up I had to be willing to step out into a realm that hurt a little bit there was some suffering that takes place Sacrifice is not easy. But if you want kingdom power, if you want kingdom authority, it starts with sacrifice. Wherever the kingdom of God is present, there will be righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Because church, sacrifice ushers in the power I'm speaking of. I never want to have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. He's given us everything. He's given it to you. You just got to unwrap it and take hold of it. Amen. I'm talking to somebody today. God's dealing with you. And He's asking you to sacrifice a little bit. And if you keep holding on to your flesh and saying, No, Lord, that hurts too much. The kingdom power will never transfer into your ministry. It's all about sacrifice, church. It's all about sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me today? I believe there's some sacrifice that needs to go up in this place today. I believe that there is a realm that we have yet to enter into in this church today. Hallelujah. I believe that where the kingdom power is, there's going to be righteousness and joy of the Holy Ghost. Come on. I'm talking to somebody today. If you need to lay that sacrifice down, if you need to spend some time on your knees today, I want to open up these altars as they begin to play and sing. I believe that now is your time. And I don't want to labor in this. I don't want to have to beg you to come. 
and lay down your offering before God. I'm telling you, somebody in this place has an offering to give. And it's going to take a little bit for you to do it. But God's asking you to lay it down in the kingdom business. The kingdom of God is power. And if you want that kingdom power to come into your ministry, it takes sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to shout for Jesus right now. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Oh, God, soften our hearts today. Lord, push past that flesh realm, Lord. Help us transition into that kingdom power, Lord, where you dwell. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Oh, right now, Lord, I'm releasing. I'm releasing an atmosphere of sacrifice in this place right now. And Lord, I'm binding, I'm hindering anything in this place, Lord. I'm binding you, Satan, right now from that flesh realm that's keeping us bound in here. Oh, Jesus. Oh, in Jesus' name, let your glory fall in this way, in this kingdom today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. There's an offering to be given today. There's a sacrifice that needs to go up beyond this ceiling, clear into the throne room of God today. And I believe you know who you are. I believe you know who you are, and God's already spoke to you. But if you don't step out and give that offering today, you're not going to receive that power that you're expecting in your ministry. Come on, we're all ministers. We're all ministers of the glory of God. Every one of us need to profess that, that light to this dark world. But we need to sacrifice today for His glory. Amen.